Chad Prather rose to internet fandom as the man who's unapologetically Southern. Heath Oaks is a published author who failed his way to success. Together, they tackle today's headlines in a way only a Southern Spitfire and a millennial mogul can. Take off your sport coat, grab a beer, and enjoy the conversation. This is Second Shot with Chad Prather and Heath Oaks. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Second Shot. I am Chad Prather along with my co-host Heath Oaks. It's kind of nice to actually have a name to say, right? It's fun. It kind of rolls off the tongue too. Second Shot. Yep, and producer Zach and Kristen. Hey! Hello there. Heath, what'd you do this weekend? Shreveport, a little gambling. One-year-old birthday party. My dad's 10-year anniversary at church. You so name you, it, we so kind of made a, the rounds. You did a church anniversary and a little gambling. Yeah. I like that. So you're a good Baptist. I had to repent the next day. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Not if you won. That Well, I didn't. So. <laughs> well, you do need to repent, but yeah. that's that's forgiveness with your yeah. wife. The problem probably. is, is, is you try to get, I try to, you know, like uh, Jenny had care less about the gambling, but I'll give her like $100, $200 and look over there and she'll have it in her purse. And she's like, I ain't playing. You get, I ain't going to bet gamble this. It's like she has, no. She's like, no, I'd rather keep it in my pocket than you, gamble. You know what? My wife never cared anything about gambling. She never wanted to do it. She didn't understand the games. And then I gave her $100 one time, and she won. She turned it into like 600 bucks. And let me tell you, the addiction was on, buddy. The bug <laughs> had bitten. Now she's always like, when can we go to Vegas? When can we, when we, can we go to Oklahoma? And she never wins again, probably. No, no, she wins. Every time? She wins, dude. I have seen her pull some stuff that is just incredible. I don't even like to gamble anymore unless I'm playing with her because it's just no fun. I lose. She wins. <laughs> She's a good luck charm. I go a little too hard. I always just go big and I'll, yeah. I'll, you know, and, and it's See, that's never gambling. smart. I try to play, not gamble. You know what yeah. I'm saying on that? And we, we would, took a cruise uh, back, I don't know, August, September sometime. And we, we didn't even know we were on the ocean. We just stayed in the casino. Oh, yeah. We just stayed in the casino. I, I mean, love my that wife, part about the cruise. I know. My wife, I think she won like six grand. Oh, wow. On a, on a seven-day cruise. Wow. killing it. And we don't gamble big. I mean, a couple hundred bucks here or there. Did you go to the casino this weekend or something? You should no. have taken her. No, What'd you I do? I to go. I was in Nashville. I was in Nashville doing some business over there. I'd love to name drop, but I won't. But I was with some pretty pretty special people over there that are musicians, kind of some A-list musicians. And, and I don't know. I'm humbled. I'm like the the wallflower. You know, I'm the guy that's always running his mouth. But I get around people that are so talented like that. And I just, I'm, I don't even want to get in a conversation. So are there... Chances you'll actually get invited back? Yeah. Well, it, whether I get invited or not, I'm going back. But I did a couple of promo videos for some new companies over there. Uh, there's a new beer company called Music City Beer. And so it's pretty good beer. And I'm typically a whiskey drinker, but I, I you know, enjoy those folks. And they've got a good business model. And so I've helped them promote some stuff. For, and, and it's based out of Nashville, Music the craft City. craft beer thing is blowing up. Everywhere. It's huge. Huge. We need to do that next. Mm. <laughs> I have, I mean... What do we call it? Second shot beer? <laughs> Second shot. Why not? Yes, sounds like dude. a good whiskey. It does sound like a good yeah. whiskey. It's probably already called a whiskey probably, or something. Probably something like that. What's so going you're, on You're going to watch the Super Bowl? I'm going to watch the Super Bowl. I cannot help but watch the Super Bowl. I've actually got to travel, though. I'm headed to L.A., but I, as soon as I get off the plane, I'm finding a television to, <laughs> to watch the Super Bowl. Well, even though my Packers lost... I'm yeah, still going to watch it, and especially... You done messed up, A.A. Ron. A.A. Ron. So here was an interesting <laughs> story, though, that really kind of hit me was... Um, so Mohamed Sanu, he's uh, the new young hotshot receiver for the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Like, he came... He has really arrived as Julio Jones' number two receiver, and he has done such... Because it's always been Roddy White and Julio Jones. Well, Sanu just blew up through the scene this yeah. year. 
And his name is Mohammed Sanu. And we obviously know a lot of things that have happened in this last week when it comes to Muslims in America and, and all those things. And so down at the Super Bowl, he obviously is getting asked a ton about his thoughts on you know, right. President Trump and what he has done. Yeah, with a first name like Muhammad, you got to expect he's getting those questions. Yeah, so, he, so he's getting asked, and he says, of course, I mean, my name is Muhammad Sanu. Um, it's what he said Monday night in the press conference. But he said, I'm here because of my football talents, not because I'm Muslim. And I'm here to talk about football. So if you guys are going to continue to ask me about my religious beliefs, then I'm going to continue to tell you the same thing. I'm here to talk about football. I respect all you guys. Tremendous love for you. But I'm here to talk football. Yeah. I mean, that's a guy. you got to respect that. I mean, there's a guy that could take a platform to talk about anything he wants to talk about. And obviously, that's a part of his life where he's got to be something pretty passionate about. Yeah. But he chose to focus on the, the matter at hand. Well, what, what I thought was interesting is <clears throat> that is not saying that he, he did such a w- good job at diverting it because he knows that it could become a massive distraction for him when, like he said, how many people ever even get to a Super Bowl? Right. Right? And so... By him saying, I'm here to talk about football, you would think he's on the Patriots team the way Bill Belichick, you know, regulates everybody talking to the media. But what I thought was interesting is how intense his focus is. Yeah. To be a younger receiver, kind of first year blowing up that he's like, look, I'm not, you know, we're not, we don't, he may, after the Super Bowl, he may come out and be one of the most, you know, strongest advocates for fighting it or or not. But what's smart is, is he's saying, I got a job at hand. Yeah. I got, a, I got a goal that our team set out to do, which is win the Super Bowl. And right now, my focus, on the Super Bowl. Yeah. Nothing else. There's a task, and you, not everybody gets there. Some people play their entire career, and they never get to that point. And, and he has said, this is the huge opportunity of my life. I may never be here again. Why am I going to focus on something I can focus on two weeks from now? Well, and all it can do is hurt his team, because at the end of the day, what he's saying is, I got to focus on this because he is a very vital part of that team's success. How many times or things do you have that focus has been off in a major way. Yeah. How many times in business you're trying to do something and you run in, you just know, let's say you, you got a team, you've built a team, you got a project, and you can just tell somebody's not there. They're not their brain's all. not on it. Their vision is off. They're diverted. Maybe it's a family issue. Maybe it's something going on, uh, you know, in their personal life or their finances, but they're not tuned in to what's going on. They're not on the team at that moment. Well, and you know what? As a leader... You know, one of the quickest ways, quickest signs you can tell of if you have an employee um, that is engaged or not in what you are doing, that is focused in it or not. I've always said it was, I actually had a conversation with an employee of mine one time and sit him down and said, hey, next idea I bring up, if you do not disagree with me, I'm firing you. <laughs> because my, my, my ideas are not that great. Right. But you say, oh yeah, that's awesome to everything I do. Yeah. What that tells me is, is that A, you're not really that you're not good enough to have some creative ideas yeah. or two you don't care right. which means you're not in it because nobody engaged is blank on creative ideas of how to grow the business and do it but all none of the great things I've ever came up with they've always come to somebody and what I came up with was okay that's a good idea but this stuff's crazy and we all put it together what they have and what I have and it comes up with a pretty great idea but I literally had to tell him I'm going to fire him if he does not disagree with me because you cannot be engaged and have ideas and care about the business the way I do if you're not focused on it and if you're not focused on it it's when you have no ideas you have nothing good to bring to the table and all you're doing is sitting around wanting to just kind of ride along for the ride and and you're not you're never going to get anywhere when you're not focused on it and it's too many times we get uh, us yeah. in general and our employees get 
way off focus. That and your butt was raw from being kissed all the time. Exactly. You, you were tired of that whole deal going on. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you this. I say this all the time, and a lot of times folks don't understand what I'm saying. To be spontaneous takes a lot of practice. Yeah. So if you're sitting in that meeting and you're sitting there and it's time to make a big decision, if you've practiced and you've worked and you've disciplined yourself to focus on the business at hand, then you know what? Those creative ideas should flow out of you. Those decisions should flow out of you. The, the leadership and, and the ability to motivate and influence other people, it really ought to flow out of you. And that's what you got with, with the wide receiver here. Muhammad comes out and says, I've practiced my entire life for this. I play football. This is what I do. And now the big game is here. The best performance, it's time for that to come out of me because this is what I've built my entire life around. I'm not going to let any distractions, and they can be some very important distractions. Yep. Uh, you know, that, deal, that's a major one. That's a major that one. That would be a major one. It'd be very easy, and nobody would blame him. Right. For getting off track to want to stand up for something like that, right? And I do hope, I do hope. I don't, I don't know what you're doing, but I, what who you're pulling for? But I'm pulling for the Falcons. Oh yeah, no, I, I am too. And and one of the things too, when we get off track on focus, yeah, that Alan, there's a guy named Alan Fine, mm-hmm. and 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 you look him up on TED Talk and and look up. You already know how to be great. What he talks about is is there's a wheel. If you you think about a, like a tire, okay, and in the outer ring of it is a knowledge. Okay? Yeah. So what we do in life a lot of times is is we start thinking we need more knowledge. So what we end up doing is building a tire that gets so big and fat of knowledge that it never rolls, correct? So one thing he talks about is the internal of it is your passion, your fire, and your energy, but the most important is focus. So you can sometimes we want to use the excuse, we need more knowledge, we need more knowledge, when at the end of the day, you have no focus on it because you're scared to do it. So you, you rely on saying, I need more knowledge because you're too scared to make the leap. Right. Where he talks about how you have to have the focus in order to really do it. So sometimes I think that we use excuses when we say, if you're sitting out there and you go, I don't have time, that means you have no focus. You don't care about it. If you say, I don't have time for my kids, that's because you don't have any focus on it. You don't care. That's the truth. So anytime you have those things, I think you realize that understanding that triggering your mind when it comes up to, I don't have time. That means you yeah. have no focus. So what is most important to you? Make sure you divert your focus to, and, and maybe it's like him, one more week for the Super Bowl, and after that it may change. It may yeah. not. Who knows? But right now, one week is the focus on winning the Super Bowl. That's the goal. That's for the team prize. And that's all he's focused on, and I love it. Yep. Hey, I hope you're taking notes, kids. Uh, your guru is in the house. His name is Heath Oaks, and I'm telling you, that is some genius, genius <laughs> stuff. Let's take a deep breath. We'll take a break. We'll be right back with Second Shot. Now that's what I call ignorance on fire. More of Second Shot with Chad and Heath still to come. Hey, everybody in Texas, I want to remind you about Energy Ogre. It's a company out of Houston, Texas, that saves you money on your power bill every single month. They can save you between 40 and 60%. I know it sounds too good to be true. All you do is go to energyogre.com, and you sign up. You show them a copy of the usage on your power bill, and you use promo code WATCHCHAD, and it's $10 a month. They can't save you money. They won't take your money from you. So it's a no-brainer. $10 a month, energyogre.com. Use keyword promo code WATCHCHAD and save 50% on your power bill. Now, what are you waiting for? Go do it. Go. Ready, aim, fire. Second Shot is back for another round on the Real News Communications Network. Okay, in the last segment of Second Shot, we were talking about a TED Talk, and that, the gentleman's name is... Alan Fine. Alan Fine. i got to go look that up because you that's You already know genius. how to be great. 
And that's an incredible title. I almost want to steal that, but I won't. But, you know, uh, those TED Talks have been a pretty impactful thing. And I think generationally, those kind of reach across the generations and communicate to a lot of different different folks on a lot of different levels and, and ages and, and experiences in life. I would think so. Also. I, I, I would say the same same, same thing because even people that don't that are in the older generations that care less about social media all use YouTube. Right. You know. Yeah, I love the TED Talks though. I need to watch more of them. There's a lot of really good stuff. You can I, actually get them on Netflix too. On Netflix, yeah. you can download the TED Talks deal and then just stream TED Talks all day on through Netflix. Can it's you great. Really? Absolutely. Wow. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, well, today I learned. I'm when good. I'm having those down days, I'll just turn that on in the in the man cave <laughs> and let it play over and over because it's hard to stay depressed. <laughs> yeah. You know when, Ted, when that's sure TED Talks and chill. So yeah. uh, let me let, let me tell you something I found pretty interesting. Talking about the different generations. Yeah. This week Forbes uh, had a story out. Actually, I think it was earlier in January, but Forbes had a story out, and they said um, top employers say millennial need these four skills in 2017. Now, I'm 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 not gonna lie. I, I don't think that I agree 100 percent with the four things they say are really the most important here. Yeah. What are they? Um. Well, one is attention, and more than college agility and humility i'm okay. not saying they're not good things to have but sure. but i don't know if, if i said there's four things that you must have to kill it or whatever i don't know if i would say those top four i'd have to think give them more thought yeah. they're important don't get me wrong um but obviously there's a lot of talk around millennials and on paper i'm a millennial and so i you know I do think everybody blows it out of proportion because I think every new generation that comes in says that it's the worst one ever and, you know, everybody's got their downfalls, right? Right. But I will tell you this. From working in a world where I, I really love to hire the millennials because I really want to really prove to people that we're all not lazy. Yeah. Now, I get let down a lot. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I would... Yeah. But I keep trying. I feel my way to success. Stereotypes tend to exist because there is an element of truth. There is an element that's of truth. There, so, there but you, but sometimes folks break the mold. There is, and 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 listen, you know, attention and, and all of that is great. But I'm going to tell you the one that I have found out of these four that I do think millennials need to start mm-hmm. learning how to be better at is humility. Okay. My God, they think they're the smartest people on the face of the earth, and they yeah. know it all, and yeah. it kills me. I've experienced that. I've done some videos on my social media platforms, YouTube and Facebook, and and I've some of the most outspoken folks have been those that are millennials. I'm not critical of millennials. I've always been fascinated by the difference in generations. I am Generation X. I uh, hate the title, but you know it is what it is. And, and Chad X. That actually yeah, goes, I guess that something. Goes pretty it's good, weird. Man, that's I good. I, I don't like even that. have a belly button. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how that ties into anything, but it just felt right I don't know where say. did that come yeah, from. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just felt weird. Um, but I've always been fascinated by that. I know when, when I was in my 20s, I was well into a career. I actually started my career while I was still in college getting a degree. And I knew in my 20s, it was always frustrating to me because at that age, in the world that I was in at the time, which was nonprofit organizations, and I was on platforms talking to people regularly, crowds, and educating people and teaching people and training people, I did not get any respect because of my age. There was a certain level of naivety. There has to be. When yeah, you're absolutely. 22 years old, you know, everything, you look at the world like, oh, my God, I'm ready to take over. When I started the University of Georgia, we went to, a, um, you know, an orientation and somebody said, OK, how many of you want to major in pre-law? And half the hands went up in the room. Then he said, how many want to major in pre-med? Half the hands went And he goes, 
how many want to major in pre-wealth? Every hand in the room went yeah, absolutely. up. You know? And you know, probably not 3% of those people went into law or medicine that were in the room. So there is an element of naivety there. And I don't know that's if a that's a big a, word, too. I've never heard I need to steal that big word. I'm going to use it. It kind of rolls off a little bit. But you know, we are naive. I'm 44 years old. And I'm still extremely naive. But I think at that age, whether you're millennial, generation X or whatever, a lot of that is true. So I agree with you. I don't think that those are all the keys to success and things you got to have, but you make an they're, excellent they're, point They're all on that. important, yeah. but humility yeah. is something that the millennial generation lacks the most. You know, at 19 years old, looking 10 years old, I was selling senior citizen products door to door. It took me four times to pass the insurance test. That's how smart I am. Right. Okay. So every time, every time somebody in my territory, I got about about three hundred and fifty or four hundred salespeople in my territory that I oversee. Yeah. Anytime anybody starts failing a test and is getting down, they always say, "Oh, we need to call Heath." Hey, our big boss <laughs> failed it four times. You're okay. I'm like the the ray of hope they can have that they got a shot still. And um, one of the neat things is is that even that was sixty five years old with my nineteen years of wisdom. You know the reason I got business mm. when I didn't know a dead gum answer. I told him I don't know. I don't. But know. I'm going to find it out. That's okay. a great phrase. I don't know. I don't know, but I do know people that do. Yeah. That does a couple things. One, it gains their trust because they know I'm not just going to try to pull one over on them. Right. Correct? Number two, it is that, hey, it, it, it just starts warming it all up to where then I am going to go find the answer because I don't want to do something opposite. Yeah. I sit down a lot of these millennials that will come in and I go, look, if you do what I tell you to do, when I tell you to do it, how I ask you to do it, I'm going to make you a lot of money. Yeah. They will all come in and go, next thing you know, in one weekend, they haven't made any activity calls and they're going... Yeah, but I come up with this great new way to try to get I go, yeah. well, how's that worked out for you? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Show and me the bottom me, line on and that. And trust me, I want things to be easier. And if there was a way to be easier, I'm a naturally lazy person. Yeah, me too. So if there is a way to automate it or make it easier, I would have figured that out by now. Oh, yeah. But follow what I'm telling you to do. I always say, spare me your intelligence for six months. After, you, after six months, when you do what I tell you to do, how I tell you to do it, if you've had success... <laughs> Then you start educated enough to make your decisions, but humility will take you a long ways in this world, but it's not about how much you know, it's about how much you're, you're willing to admit what you do and do not know, and it will gain you a lot of trust. I am actually pulling out the notes here on my phone, and I'm going to write that in, spare me your intelligence for six months. That actually was kind of a smart phrase. I'm proud of myself. I, you know what? <laughs> it's genius, um, if I do say so myself, and, and let that come as the most humble way that I can say it, uh, but spare me your intelligence. Humility is a hard thing to do because a lot of times people perceive that in themselves as a weakness. That I want to know everything. And listen, we live in the age, I remember when I first got on the internet, when it first when it was available, the first time I got on the internet, my mentor said to me, welcome to the information superhighway. And because <laughs> now there are people, you know, in, they have no concept of ever not having the internet. So the answers, whether it's Google or Wikipedia, have always been right there at your fingertips. And so now to admit, I don't know this, people perceive it as a weakness. I see it as a tool of education. Now I can go and I can reach out to the people who do know. Because let me tell you something that Google won't do for you. Google won't give you life experiences. Google won't hire you either. Google <laughs> Unless you're Google really smart. <laughs> yeah. But Google won't teach you failure. Google won't teach you how to pick yourself up. It won't tell you how to, how to have success. Google will not teach you. You know, it can give you bullet points. But Google will not pat you on the back when you're crying because you just lost everything, mm -hmm. including a, a marriage or your finances or everything else. So so there is there is an element that says, I don't know everything, and that's okay. So I give you permission. You can start saying, I don't know, in a lot of different ways. You know, I put 
emphasis on different words and yep. just learn to let it roll off your tongue. You know, the truth of the matter is true confidence comes from being humble. Right. If you're humble and you're not a know-it-all, right. you're more than likely the person who really is probably one of the smartest people in the room. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and, and understand the fact that the majority of people think they have to be egotistical know-it-all. Right. So if you are a humble person that wants to learn from others, look, you may sit down across that baby boomer, okay? Yeah. And spend an hour with them talking and think that half of, you know, 75% of the stuff that they say does not even, uh, you know, have anything to do with today. And they're probably, but I'm going to tell you something. They're not there at their age without 25% of some wisdom that can pass along to help you listen at it all. Now, here's one of the best ways that if you think that um, your perception is not being a very humble, and I can promise you that you will be the exception to the rule if mm-hmm. you're a more humble person. You will be different. You will stand apart because the majority are not. They know it all. And people, it will be a nice, refreshing just bath for somebody going, oh, my God, somebody that actually is hungry to learn and does not think they know it all. Yeah. Start asking more questions. Yeah. If point. you think you have a problem, there's a book called Change Your Questions, Change Your Life. And I'm, I'm going blank on who the author is. But Change Your Questions, Change Your Life, very cool read. Very story read, but it will help you start being more aware of asking questions. And and I say that because humbly admitting that was one of my problems. Right. And and I was passed on that book because right. what all, some of my people would um, they they said on a, a silent survey was well what we think is that Heath already knows the answer, but he asked us because he feel like he feels like uh, he needs to do that, but he already knows the answer. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, like that's horrible that y'all that and I obviously was. So that change your questions, change your life. If you start asking more questions, then you will start working on not coming off as this person who knows it all. And more questions you ask, the more you're going to learn and the more you'll get past everybody else. Because the smartest person in the room most of the time is the person not having to tell you how smart they are. (laughs) You got that right. Hey, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with uh, Second Shot. Chad Prather, he folks. He likes cowboy hats and boots. And he's a suit and tie kind of guy. Chad Prather and Heath Oaks host more of Second Shot coming up on RNCN. If you're looking for a nice, quick, easy read, check out Amazon.com and look up Ignorance on Fire, A Journey of Felling Your Way to Success, written by none other than myself, Heath Oaks. It'll be a fun little book that'll kind of tell you a little bit about my failures on my way to this point in my life. And it's nice, quick. You'll be able to read it in a couple hours. So go to Amazon.com and look up at Ignorance on Fire on Facebook, Instagram, and then at Heath Oaks on Twitter. Pick it up, look at it, read it, write a review on Amazon if you like it, only if you like it. Ignorance on Fire, Journey of Felling Your Way to Success by Heath Oaks. Kick off your boots or suit up. The choice is yours. Welcome back to Second Shot with Chad and Heath on RNCN. Well, we are back for the final, and let me start over with that. You know what? Don't even hit stop. We're just going to keep flowing with this thing. This is the way real podcasts work. It is. We are back with the third and final segment of Second Shot. My buddy Heath Oaks. screwed up, Chad. Yeah, I know. That's what I do. But uh, (laughs) who cares? Who cares? Um, Both people listening to this, our wives, are are okay with it. So it's all right. So, Zach. Kristen, our producers, they're always looking at us knowingly and caringly and sometimes with a little bit of judgment in, in their eyes. <laughs> yeah, Probably a lot of judgment. Yeah. Do yeah. you guys have a good weekend, though, y'all? Yeah. Yeah, oh. it was all right. 
I actually had my baby shower. And <laughs> baby speaking shower. of casinos, it was casino themed. It was. Awesome. And, and Zach came. I did. Attended yeah. with his girlfriend. Yeah. I, don't, I, I, guess, girlfriend? I yeah. guess our invitation got lost. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened there, Chad. Oh, sorry, I guess fellas. I can tell how much we're like. <laughs> yeah. Did you, uh, so like in your real life, your non-pregnant life, yeah. or, do you drink alcohol? You're, oh, you yeah. drink? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you miss it while you're pregnant or you just keep I, boozing I it mean, up right I, on through? I miss it. Can't lie. the party a little bit. That to me would be the hardest thing because I, you and I, we drink. Drink socially. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. And, and but I would miss that. But you know, uh, the funny thing is, like, w- once you start breastfeeding, if you choose to do that, yeah. yeast is actually really good for breastfeeding. Yes, and it so. Is. Uh, I've talked to, I've talked to a couple girls who are like, yeah, you know, they told me to like chug a beer in the morning yeah. to get the milk. So that's going to be your excuse. So, yeah. So yeah. maybe I'll get to hit it hard. And I've never been a person who I think, you know, I know I've known a lot of girls who pregnant over the years who you know, might have a glass of wine on occasion or something mm-hmm. like that. And I really, from what I've seen, I don't think it's bad. for The, the studies baby, have said that a, co- a glass yeah. of wine or so a little bit is, has not done anything. Yeah. 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 But it's not like you can really party like yeah. that. No, you can't get after it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You can't get after it. That's, but anyway, that's what kind good. of questions yeah. we got? What you got going on? Sure. We got anything coming in here? Well, before the episode, I was inquiring about your hat. Yeah. It looks very soft, and so I wanted to touch it. And I don't really know <laughs> a lot about cowboy hats, so I was wondering what is kind of the hat etiquette because this looks really delicate and not like something yeah. you it's would like wear after you're on the ranch. There is so, there is rules like wide, no wide after Labor Day. They have hat rules. Yeah, so I want to know all about the hat rules. Yeah, I, I'll give you a couple of highlights real quick. So so th- I'm wearing a felt hat. I'm wearing an American hat company. They call it Steel. It's a gray felt hat. That's kind of my hat of choice. They're a lot more durable than you would think. So they make those hats in such a way they're they're made. This is this is part beaver belly and part rabbit. This is one of their middle grade hats. It's a their biggest seller. Uh, if a horse steps on it, you put a little steam on that thing and punch it right back out. Hats are made to be used. If you're walking in the rain, let it get wet. Um, th- it really yeah, does not. Yeah. So what's not... up with those people that have? No, you should never do that. You should never do that. Let me tell you. I don't know what else to call it. I can tell you the my rain yeah the, the hat rubbers. Well, hat if you condoms. have one of those like five thousand dollar hats, you wouldn't put something on no. it, or you just not no, and let me tell you, uh, if if my buddies, uh, the owner Keith Maddox of American Hat Company, or the president of the company Keith Mundy, my buddies, if they saw me wearing one of those plastic things on a hat, they would snatch it off. <laughs> they said a hat is made to be worn in the weather. They make their hats to do that. They've been in business American Hats for 101 years now, and they wow. make a good quality hat. And they're they're based out of Bowie, Texas, just north of us. And so. Uh, you you want to wear that. You start wearing a felt uh, in usually in September when the weather starts to cool off, and then when spring rolls around, you go to a straw, and it's just natural because the but straw is there something hat you is can't wear cooler. strong. Win- you're not supposed to wear strong winter, correct? Now, you're not supposed like to. But here's the way I look at it: yeah. if you're a Texan, yeah. you do whatever the hell you want to do because it could be summer one day, it could be winter. The next. It, really, you right. do whatever you want to do. But typically, that is the trend. Some people try to stand, you know. And I have I catch a lot of stuff because I will take pictures. I'm a public guy. the The hat is part of my personality and kind of my identity. So I wear the hat everywhere. And I have people all the time who will see pictures of me in a restaurant or a social event. And people mm-hmm. will comment on social media, you need to take your hat off, you're indoors. Uh, yeah, well, I know your granddad and your dad maybe did that, but that's not necessarily an official I agree. I don't, I've never understood that. I've that. never understood why that is a if bad it's, thing. If it's something for you that you need to do, and I'll get hate mail for this, but if it's something you feel like you need to do, then by God, do it. Yeah. But you know what? There's no, there's no specific etiquette that says you got to take a hat off when you walk indoors. Now, the correct thing is you might, when you walk into a social event you might take it off when you walk in the door and then you can put it back on yeah. because and, and I believe in tipping your hat or taking your hat off mm-hmm. when you greet a, yeah. a lady and then uh, if there's no place in a restaurant to take it off you don't put a, 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 a fine 
Had piece of it. You don't put it on the ground. You don't put it on the seat. You don't put it underneath. You don't certainly don't put it on the table. That's crude. Uh, and so if there's not a hat rack provided, then keep it on your dadgum head. And so that a lot of people get a little bit miffed. But you know what? Granddaddy didn't write the rules. So I'm, do you consider a cowboy hat to be more of a dress hat? No, not necessarily. Daily it's, wear because it's, it's a functional thing. It's a functional thing. Uh, if you're out in the sun, it's going to block the sun. If you're out uh-huh. in the rain, it works as an umbrella. Uh, if you're cold, a felt hat will keep you warm. So, uh, especially with my balding head um, <laughs> that I keep shaved down and make it even worse. But, you know, it's it's a functional thing, and I think it should be used functionally. I think they look good. Here's the beauty of a cowboy hat. There's nothing else. There's no other iconic symbol in American history that you can look at and immediately identify somebody, typically what their values are, who they are, and, and what true. their ethics. Is. You automatically identify the cowboy by the cowboy hat. Mm-hmm. And so people can tend to see this is who this person is based on that hat. And also a hat is an heirloom. I believe that hats should be handed down, down to the next generation. Mm-hmm. I have my grandfather's hat. Mm-hmm. I can't wear it. My head's too big. Mm-hmm. Uh, his head was too small, but I yep, have his that, hat. A lot of people say that about you, yeah, it's, it's, what, it's what holds the ego in. Refer yeah. back to the second segment yeah. when we talked about humility. Do you know why but, I don't uh, wear hats? Why? I look so stupid in a hat, it's unreal. I don't believe that's true. <laughs> I'm telling you, it. I think it has to do with the baby face. You put a hat on, I literally look 10 years old again. I don't know. I, I, literally, I really look stupid wearing a hat. I'm telling yeah. you the truth. Ask and Heath, I've tried. Ask Heath a question. I, I, kind of, right, yeah, I, I know I, we I got, got a little bit of... Right. I got one for Heath. Yeah. Heath, you're for a year from Tyler, right? Uh, true. Outside of it. All right. Outside Tyler's of Tyler. what I say because nobody knows. All right. You're a very well-dressed guy. You got a little bit of a you know, southern accent. How'd you get to be a Packers fan? Because growing up, yeah. everybody was a Dallas Cowboys fan. Yeah. Right? Of course. So I did not want to be a Dallas Cowboys fan. So just to spite the Cowboys. <laughs> well, no, no. Just to spite everybody around me. We're Cowboys fans. And I was like, that's what the crowd is doing. Uh-huh. Right. So I'm going to find something else. Yeah, that's and, against the stream. And so watching a game, this was back in, you know, 93, 94, sitting there watching a game, and Brett Favre had just came over to the Packers. And, I mean, I didn't even know who he was. or, But he did one of those, like, um, roll out right jump 10 feet in the air, throw it 50 yards to the <laughs> opposite that, side yeah. of the field, you know? And then when he got done, scoring that touchdown, he slapped everybody on their ass and picked up his lineman and was a happy, fun, like the yeah. gunslinger type. He went for it. No, I mean, Brett Favre won games that no other QB would win because nobody else would have tried it, okay? Yeah. He lost a lot of games because he tried things that nobody else would try, but at the end of the day, he was a first ballot Hall of Famer, Super Bowl champion, and one of the greatest of all time. So I loved the... Um, the blue-collar Southern guy Brett Favre was. Mm-hmm. I related that with Green Bay. Green Bay, Wisconsin, is the only NFL team that does not have an owner. They are owned by the stockholders. Um, no, There's no one single owner. Hmm. And then... Are you a stockholder? Are, I am, absolutely. Of course you are. <laughs> of course and, you are. And they have a... Green Bay, Wisconsin is population 100,000. It's about the size of Tyler, Texas. So you imagine the Dallas Cowboys in Tyler, Texas. That's what it's like. So it's yeah. a small hometown fan-owned team and the Brett Favre of just the going for it gunslinger top mentality I loved and I said you know what I'm going to be a Green Bay Packer fan from and, and understand those were the years of 92-93 that Dallas Cowboys it would have been the cooler thing to be the Cowboys yeah, fan they course. won most so. yeah so I always like to say, you know, I just like to pick the winners, and, and yeah. thankfully I picked a winner. And one one <laughs> wow. final leadership tip I will give you is read Vince Lombardi's uh, official biography. 100%. That's a great book. Mm. That's 100%. a phenomenal book. And you know what, Heath? If I had hair like yours, I wouldn't wear a hat either. Thank you. You, <laughs> you are a handsome man. I don't blame you. you I don't what. blame you. I don't blame handsome, you. handsome man. Well, hey, guys, thank you for joining us for another episode. Tune in to another one. We're going to be back with you. 
My buddy Heath Oaks, I'm Chad Prather. We've had a good time hanging out with you. Have yeah. a good one, guys, and look us up on social media, Ignorance on Fire on Facebook, and Heath Oaks on Twitter, Ignorance on Fire on Instagram. Look us up, shoot us some questions, and in the next podcast, we'll um, get back to you with some answers. Go to WatchChad.com, follow me on Facebook, subscribe at YouTube. This is Second Shot. We'll see you next time. Destination for premium talk radio.